Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 857, air date December 22nd, 2020. Good evening, everyone. We're going to wait for people to join. And um, we're going to have a discussion today about the modern science of the immune system and the things you can do to uh, boost immunity, but we're also going to talk about it in the context of the importance of building community. So we're going to wait for people to join. People from New Hampshire, people from Texas. Good to see people. I haven't done a live in a while. As many of you know, I've been extremely busy uh, in the middle, uh, in the midst of a major lawsuit uh, to ensure that we get one person, one vote. Lowell, Massachusetts, great. Uh, Garden of Nevada, New Jersey, Wyoming, Wisconsin, Canada. New Jersey, Melrose, Utah, uh, Tennessee from everywhere. So we have about 700 people uh, concurrently live. Pennsylvania, Canada, Brooksville, Florida, great to have you. Wisconsin, Hawaii, New Jersey, Arkansas, Millbury, Massachusetts, great. Georgia, Bali, wow, Amarillo, Amarillo, Texas, Coral Springs, Florida, Tennessee, North Carolina, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Maryland. Okay, so we'll just keep waiting. Um, so what I was saying was, I will review today as people uh, were waiting. I'll, I'll, re- I'll give you uh, bring everyone up to date a little bit on what's been going on over the last several weeks. Um, but today we're going to really focus on something very, very important that's becoming equally as important as a discourse on election integrity and election fraud about what do we do to boost the immune system with the talks about masks and lockdowns and social distancing, as well as you know the vaccines. There's a lot of discussion on that on mainstream media. However, what's unfortunate is that we don't really have a discourse on the things that you can do to really support the immune system. So we're gonna talk about that. And the, the intention here is that this video will give you something to educate you. Uh, if those of you are on Facebook, other medium, you're welcome to run a watch party. Uh, and invite others to join. So we'll just wait. Again, we have people coming in from uh, uh, New York, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, more people from, uh, someone says stick with AstraZeneca, uh, London, um, United Kingdom, uh, Serena Whitewood, uh, Nevada. Okay, great. So we'll just wait a couple more minutes. And great, got a good group here coming in. And again, um, today's talk is really going to uh, focus on the immune system. How do you build community, boost immunity? Uh, Some of you may know several weeks ago, I put out a a tweet and a Facebook post, um, and I put pictures of various items in that Facebook post. One of them was a picture of uh, a bottle of zinc. Another one was a bottle of quercetin. Another one was a bottle of, uh, in the background was a picture of vitamin D3 with K2 plus vitamin C, um, vitamin A, as well as Lugol's iodine. So we're gonna talk about that and why that's important to boosting the immune system. As we get started, let me just remind everyone that uh, one of the important things that we're doing is our US Senate campaign um, has actually expanded much bigger than just a Senate campaign to a a global movement for truth, freedom, and health. So I wanna just, be mindful and let everyone know there's going to be more coming up on the site. But if you have an opportunity to go to the a website, Shiva, vashiva.com, Victor Alpha Shiva, vashiva.com, um, you'll have an opportunity to see that there's a lot of great content going up on the site from all different kinds of issues. But um, I encourage everyone to go explore the join link up here. And so there's content that we're starting to put up on the site where we wanna actually build a community. So um, if you click on join, it actually tells you about how you can join the community. And then I'm opening up, we also have a scholarship program that we're doing for a very important um, workshop that I offer every Saturdays. And there's also a portal that you can learn about how you can become a truth, freedom and health leader. We wanna build leaders all over the uh, world. But as a part of that, we wanna have some level of criteria and interest that you're interested in. It's really for committed people, but everyone's welcome to join the community. So if you haven't done so, please do so. This community is just gonna grow. We're gonna add lots of features and capabilities. But one of the things we're gonna do is unlike just talking about problems, we're actually gonna 
provide solutions on immune boosting. How do we get back digital rights? You know, clean food, election integrity, citizen science. You can see all the different solutions. These are, we have the content, but we're reorganizing the website that will start providing that uh, to everyone. So I wanna encourage people, this is something really cool that's coming. We're building literally an online community um, for those people who wanna expand their knowledge. As you know, there's a lot of censorship taking place on a lot of social media. So we're gonna be building our own community for those people who wanna have access to this content without any interruption. That's something that's um, coming up. So I'm pretty excited to tell everyone about that. There's, I'll be uh, hinting at that and giving you more idea over the next um, set of videos. Um, the, the thing that we wanna talk about today is really about what can we do to really understand what the immune system is about and how do we build community and boost immunity or the importance of that. Um, before I run into that, let me just explain to everyone that one of the most important things we can see is right now, when you look at the news, there's various things going on. There's a whole discourse about one side saying election uh, fraud does not exist and another side saying, yes, election fraud exists. When you look at the area of forced vaccinations, one group is saying, yes, we need to force vaccinate everyone in order to protect the public health of others. And another group saying, I don't want my individual liberties attacked. Same with the mask issue. There's one movement saying that everyone should be masked and another movement saying, again, this is a, a civil rights issue. And then you take, the, take a look at vaccines. Um, and in any one of these issues, um, what's unfortunate is that it seems that everything gets split up into a left or right narrative, into a pro or anti position. And one of the critical things that um, uh, my life has been about and to really educate people, some of you may know, one of the um, organizations that I created many years ago was a group called Systems Health. And Systems Health is literally an institute that I created to educate people on the importance of taking a systems approach to anything, which means you start uh, teaching people the science of looking at the whole problem versus little parts of it. And when you guys get time, you can go check it, check out systemshealth.com. There's a whole bunch of courses that I offer there. But what's important to understand is that when people join the community via Shiva, a lot of those courses are gonna be included as a part of the community membership. But the reason I'm bringing that up is that if we take a systems approach, we can move beyond pro-vax, anti-vax, beyond pro-mask, anti-mask. Um, you know, uh, you can move beyond the pro-anti dialectic, which is what the establishment likes to do, and really start using your own minds intellectually from a systems standpoint, from a systems approach to really looking at any problem. So we're gonna, the, a lot of the content here, I've done in various forms before, but given a lot of the new people who've joined, I thought it's important, particularly now with this huge imposition of people thinking that vaccines are the only solution, you know, for your immune health or, um, you know, masks are the way you do it. And what you find is when you take a systems approach, you find out that life is actually a little more complicated and that you can actually figure out what's right for you. And we need to take a personalized approach. But more importantly, what we also discover is the opposite of a systems approach is what we call reductionism. Reductionism is you don't look at the whole problem, you look at a piece of it, and then you come up with a reductionist answer. So for example, if you take the masks issue, um, there's a video that we'll be uh, putting forward that'll be coming out soon where, soon where you can actually participate in doing a long uh, symposium on masks. What it turns out is that the mask quote unquote solution comes from a reductionist approach not looking at the whole problem. And when you take a reductionist approach, okay, so let's follow the mask thing th through. You find out that the cloth mask or the medical mask, they're literally like, um, in many ways, a chain link fence where the mosquitoes can go through it. The mosquito here being the virus, 40% um, effective rate is on the medical masks and about 97% um, uh, you know, ineffective rate, which means 97% have the particles go through the mask. Now you could argue that if you really believe in the mask theory of protecting yourself, um, I would argue that you should probably get a hazmat suit, you know, with the oxygen, full coverage, because frankly, from a science standpoint, the masks, those masks do not work. So if you wanna believe 
in that approach, well, go all out if you really want to protect yourself. Now, the other approach we're going to talk today is what about taking a different approach, which is to boost the immune system? That's what we're going to talk about. So I want to arm all of you with knowledge that can help yourself, your family, and actually raising the level of political discourse or scientific discourse. So let's just hop right in. So um, let's jump right in. And um, what I want to talk about first is uh, it's a modern science of the immune system, and it's about building community and boosting immunity. So let's begin with understanding the immune system. Um, again, some of you may have seen this before, but um, I was asked um, to give several, uh, about a year ago, actually a year ago today in November of 2019 or a year ago in a month at the National Science Foundation, I was asked to deliver um, an invited lecture, which is a, 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 what's called a prestige lecture out in Indianapolis at one of the NSF centers on the modern science of the immune system. And this, and I'm gonna give you the synopsis of what I shared. Um, if you look online, you'll find the entire talk that I gave. But the reason I wanna give this talk is that today, the science of the immune system that's being really the foundation of what uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, or what is the basis of pushing the reductionist concept of everyone should get vaccinated, or we should wear masks, or we should have lockdowns and social distancing, comes from this, what I call the two box model of the immune system. And to, and to keep this sort of, uh, to cut to the chase, in many ways, what you'll find is that the real uh, view of the immune system is not this two box model. It's really a much more complex understanding. And this is what I shared at the National Science Foundation about a year ago, saying, look, this is really the modern science of the immune system. This is the old science of the immune system. You notice it's only two boxes. And the box on the left um, is really the box that represent what's called the innate immune system. That part of your immune system is a part of the immune system that involves the cells like neutrophils, macrophages. These are what I call the Marines, um, uh, which means they look for anything attacking you. They're like the early warning system. They're in your eyes, your nose, your throat, your skin. And what they do is they just send a, a blitzkrieg of anytime something attacks you, they hit it with through what's called the innate immune system. So the pathogen hits and they just start firing everywhere, okay? It's, it's called the non-specific part of the immune system. The second box, again, this is the old model of the immune system. This is what some doctors learn, okay? But this is what Fauci's basing all of his uh, theory on. The adaptive immune system is sort of the sharpshooters of your immune system. They're the ones after the innate immune system, you know, tries to attack something, it leaves behind what's called an antigen. Well, the innate immune system then creates a antibody for that antigen. It's a sharpshooter. So where the innate immune system shoots everywhere, like like buckshot, the innate immune system tries to create an antibody. So, so therefore, the theory of vaccines is that you know your um, your Im immune system hasn't been exposed to this deadly virus. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you mimic that virus, what's called the deadened version of that virus. And unfortunately, the deadened virus doesn't work that well. So they have to add in a whole bunch of other compounds or uh, elements to give your body that inflammatory response so the adaptive immune system generates the antibody. So that's really the basis of vaccines, okay? But what's important to understand is this is the two box model of the immune system. And what I shared at the NSF meeting was, uh, or the invited talk I was getting, was that this model of the immune system is frankly, uh, or the old model of the immune system is frankly not complete. And it really doesn't help us appreciate what may be a much more system solution. So when you really look at it, what you find is not only do you have the innate and the adaptive, but you have this very powerful other subsystem called the interferon system. Now the interferon system is what I spent my PhD work on and the interferon system um, is really the missing link between the innate and the adaptive. And what's fascinating about the system is that this system, when you get hit with a virus, the body creates interferons. And those interferons are manufactured by your genetic system. You know, your genes turn on and a whole host of interferons not only defend against the virus that you got, but also they defend against a whole host of viruses. So let me, what I'm saying here is 
the interferons are very powerful vehicle against not only one virus, but a whole host of viruses. Very powerful, and they are the missing link. And again, you don't hear about this in the discourse on vaccines. And separate from that, in the last 10, 20 years, we've also discovered the importance of the microbiome um, and the virome. We actually have about 60 trillion bacteria all throughout our body. Um, we also have viruses, around 380 trillion viruses, which also form this immune system. And they crosstalk between the innate, the IFN, and the adaptive. And then finally, you have your neural system and the, the microbiome and the virome in the gut communicate through what's called the gut-brain axis up to their neural system. So when you start really looking at this, what you start realizing is the old model of the immune system, which is what Fauci bases his entire uh, push forward, which is vaccines, 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 or masks, 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 or social distancing, is based on a very rudimentary 50 to 100 year old understanding of the immune system. So you just learned um, very quickly here that there's a much more deeper understanding of the immune system that's a lot more complex. But one of the key things that comes out of this understanding that I want you to appreciate is that as a systems biologist, as someone who studies the immune system, that complex um, system, which is much more closer to reality, teaches us one particular thing. A, each one of us is unique. And the other thing is that our immune system is waiting. It's waiting to be stressed. It's waiting to be what, what I call stress inoculated. What that means is your immune system wants to be stressed. Your immune system is looking for stressors. It's looking for the germs. It's looking for the viruses, looking for the fungi. Why? Because the immune system turns on interferons. It turns on various subsystems that learn how to get your system stronger. And this is in nature, um, when you if you join the VA Shiva community, um, and, and you come to my Saturday seminars, I teach this that when you start understanding the nature of all systems, you find out that the, our systems are strong when they are, and here's an important word, resilient. Resilience is a key. Resilience is what we should be really going after. Now, if you have a very weakened immune system and you're of a dysfunctional immune system, well, you gotta boost it up. You can't just simply stress it. So instead of talking about that, the discussion is isolate yourself, put on a mask, don't speak to others and vaccinate. It's not about boosting the immune system, but that's why it's important to understand that the immune system is a very complex system and it actually has systems in there that's waiting for us to tune it, uh, meaning to stress it. So again, the ecosystem that we have, some of you may know this, we only have about six, our body is composed of about six trillion cells, but we actually have 60 trillion bacteria. So we have 10 times more bacteria than we have cells. And then look at this, we have 380 trillion viruses on us. So that means we have 60 times more viruses than human cells. And then we have a small number of fungi. So our body is literally a walking ecosystem of human cells, bacteria, viruses, and fungi. We're actually a walking jungle. So this is something that needs to be understood. Again, you won't hear this on TV or mainstream media. Um, Fauci won't talk about this. And this is why it's important that you learn this. The other important thing is let's really talk about, I wanna now talk to you about how the immune system operates and come over some myths. And again, anything I'm talking about, you can verify, it's written in the literature, it's well known by people who do the science and this, unfortunately, they don't speak up a lot. Um, but um, as it may, so let that be. But one of the important things you need to understand is that it's not, the viruses do not harm or kill us. Now, this is going to sound crazy because you've been taught this scary horror story that somehow the virus comes into your body and it's like the it's like a horrible monster it starts eating away at your flesh. It starts eating away, um, you know, at your uh, uh, at your lungs, and then you start filling up with edema, and then you die in the ICU, or, or it starts eating away at your heart, and you start bleeding everywhere, like in the case of Ebola. Well, this is absolutely not true. It's not the case. What really happens is something um, much more understandable is that it's the overreaction from a weakened and dysfunctional immune system to the virus or the pathogen that results in our own body attacking our cells, our tissues, and our organs. So that's what's really going on. So it is our weakened and dysfunctional immune system that results in us 
our own immune system going overkill and attacking the cells, tissues, and organs, resulting in harm and death. This is what the reality is. So this gives you an opportunity to say, whoa, 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 what do I need to do to beef up the immune system? Why is my immune system dysfunctional versus always pointing at the outside world? What can I do internally? So again, it's a dysfunctional immune system's response. So it's a dysfunctional immune system's response, and that could be a result of underlying pre-existing conditions. And what are those conditions? Obesity, diabetes, heart disease, smoking, being immunocompromised. What's interesting is I saw that Chris Christie, who's frankly very obese. You know, I went to high school with a guy. He wasn't that big then. Um, he was a catcher on the baseball team. I used to pitch. But, uh, you know, he's out there doing a national ad campaign, telling everyone that we're going to have to wear masks, masks. Uh, you know, be interesting if Chris Christie put a mirror to himself and really looked at his body and you'll see that he has uh, some of these pre-existing conditions. And this is not meant to make fun of people who are overweight. Um, you know, obviously people should take strategies. That's not the point here. The point here is to understand that he has an underlying condition, probably obesity. I'm not his doctor, but someone should check in on this. But instead of discussing that underlying condition, we're all about pushing this reductionist solution. And then, you know, one of the causes of these underlying condition things that can trigger this are dirty air, certain particles in the air, water, and food. So this is a reality of the immune system. So um, what I want to talk about, oops, I want to make sure I got the right PowerPoint here. Let me just make it, yeah. So um, one of the things I want to talk about is that um, it's important to understand that um, the, the conditions under which a lot of this can occur is that we need to have a, a decent understanding of the immune system itself. Like what happens, how does the immune system actually work, right? So I wanna step back and understand how does he, not how the immune system works, but more importantly, how, do, how does a virus actually enter your body? What is it actually doing, right? What happens when a virus actually comes into your body and, and, and what are the mechanics of how it takes over your body and causes, uh, you know, what we think is the attack on the body. So I think it's important to understand that. Otherwise, all of this is going to seem, you know, not really clear to you. So I want to just take a step now and review with you what happens when a virus actually comes into your body. What is actually going on to to your system? Okay. So let's talk about that. So what happens is the following. So when a virus comes into your body it goes through four processes, uh, four major processes. The first thing that the virus has to do, it has to enter your body, then it tries to replicate itself, then it tries to reassemble itself, and then it tries to leave, okay? So in a lot of ways, think about a virus like a thief. A thief has to first enter your house, and this is a little bit of a smarter thief. The thief, imagine, tries to you may have a Xerox machine in your house and this thief tries to copy itself. So it creates many, many thieves. So it can rob your house very quickly and it tries to replicate itself. And then it tries to a bunch of thieves and go to a whole bunch of neighborhoods. Okay. And they keep doing this. And so the issue here is um, what is the viral load? So if you have lots and lots and lots of viruses starting to increase, that's when it becomes a problem. One of any virus really doesn't bother you. Probably, remember, you have 380 trillion viruses in you right now. The issue is the viral load of any particular virus. So to understand this, let's, let's look at this right here. So if you look here in this diagram, you're seeing those four processes. Virus has to come in and it comes in through inter interacting. And we're going to go into this detail with a the receptor. Then the DNA or the RNA, the blueprint, which helps create that virus, it uses your cellular machinery called the ribosomes to replicate itself. And then the blueprint is replicated. And then it goes on and reproduces itself and then transports itself out. So let's go into a little bit. First thing is the virus has got to get into your system. Okay. So what happens here is, as you can see here, the way that the virus does is it's got a lock and key on the surface of your cell or think about little locks. And the key is a thing that fits into it. And that's called the spike protein of that virus. So in this case, what you're seeing here is that you have the 
virus that's got these little spikes and they have to stick into your receptor, which is a, which is a lock. And in order to do that, there's a process called glycosylation. You don't need to understand that in depth, but it's a chemical process that allows that entire process of the lock and key to occur, okay? So that's the first step that occurs that opens that virus, um, opens a lock so the virus can enter your household, in this case, yourself. Now, so once it gets in, the next thing it does is remember the virus inside of it, it carries a blueprint for itself and that's called the RNA, that little green thing. So what the virus does, it replicates its RNA. So it uses the ribosome, which is a organelle in your body to replicate that. That's what this um, squiggly line is, the RNA. And it creates lots and lots of copies of the RNA, okay? That's what's called RNA replication. Now, one of the, the RNA vaccines aims to stop this process. That's what they're doing. And we'll talk about in future videos why there's some problems with that, okay? Um, but this is what it does. It creates, the, uh, it replicates the RNA. The next process is, remember, once it replicates it, it's then got to reassemble itself, and that's what it does here. So it reassembles itself because part of the blueprint is about how to reassemble. It's quite, quite smart. So the virus reassembles its spike protein, sticks into it the RNA, um, and then... The last part is it transports itself out, okay? The virus release and transport. So that's what it's doing. So again, it enters and it goes through this process, okay? So the what you've just learned here is sort of the basic virology of it. So the virus comes in, it's trying to replicate itself. So the goal here is if you're trying to look at ways to keep the viral load down, there's many strategies you can do. Now, what the vaccine's idea is that it creates an antibody to try to, you know, inhibit that uh, virus replication process, okay? And, and the vaccines, like in the case of the RNA vaccine, or the antibody is the attempt to take out the virus, you know, head on. So the, the, the solutions you're seeing out there, remdesivir, all these things are attacking one of those systems. Hydroxychloroquine actually stops the virus from coming in, it stops the glycosylation process. So the point I'm saying is that there's multiple ways, multiple four processes that are involved. And so from an intelligence standpoint, what we wanna talk about today is what are the things that you can do to boost the immune system so it can affect all or many of those subsystems. And that's what we're gonna learn uh, today. And by the way, again, it's unfortunate that the Fauci's the CDC, the WHO, the mainstream media doesn't actively discuss it because everything I'm going to share with you comes from the literature. It's there. 88,000 papers are written on things like vitamin uh, C, you know, about 20 to 30,000 papers written on vitamin C and so on. So what you're getting here, it's consolidated scientific knowledge. It's not cherry picked from the current science. So let's go back to this. So when you look here, um, now you understand the pathogenesis of the virus, and we've talked about this, okay? We've gone through this entire process here. The other system you want to understand is that there is a phenomenon called the cytokine storm, and we're going to talk about this in, in relationship to COVID. So what happens is if you have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system where your body overreacts, right? So think about having a car, and this is an analogy that I've created, is if you have a car... And imagine your car has no shock absorbers on it, okay? You hit a pothole and your body just takes it, your entire car takes a massive hit. Your car overreacts, okay? Because it's got nothing to modulate it. Well, that's what a weakened immune system is. Your body has no shock absorbers. So when something hits it, it overreacts. And that overreaction is called a cytokine. Cytokines are chemicals. They're signaling molecules. And when your body is weakened, your body will have a cytokine storm, it overreacts, okay? And that's what we're seeing in this diagram here. And that overreaction is precipitated from the innate immune system, the adaptive, and a whole range of subsystems. So what you're seeing here is that the neutrophils, the macrophages in your innate immune system contribute to the cytokine storm. The T cells contribute to it, okay? So a whole bunch of subsystems contribute to the cytokine storm. So when you're looking at people heading into the ICU, what's really occurring to them is they have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system. 
the body, and remember each of these viruses, what's unique about them is the viruses or the microorganisms or, or the, or the uh, micro microbes, they have different homes. Think, think about some of them like your liver, others of them like your heart, others like your lungs. Okay, well, the coronavirus family likes your lungs. In fact, it likes your epithelial tissue in your lungs. So that's where they like to go. Now, if you have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system, guess what? Your body overreacts and it attacks the epithelial cells in your own lungs. Again, I want to point this out. It's your body attacking itself because the body doesn't know how to modulate itself. So that's what's going on here through this process called the cytokine storm. All right. And when it does this, um, I want to walk you through this uh, on, for example, when you have uh, respiratory distress syndrome. So here you have, um, and, and I want to look at this in the context of COVID, because what you're looking here is you're looking at your lungs, right? Because this is where people are heading into the ICU. You have your lungs. And remember, your lungs are composed of many, many of these small little bulbs where, and they're called alveolus, right? The alveolus, so you have many, or you have, plural is alveoli, so your lungs are composed of alveoli, but one bulb is called an alveolus, and that's where the exchange, you breathe in, you're getting oxygen in, breathe out, CO2 goes out. That gas exchange at the microscopic level is occurring in one of those little tubes or one of those little um, uh, subsystems called the alveolus. So oxygen comes in, CO2 goes out, and the gas exchange is taking place via a capillary where the capillary is in close proximity with the alveolus and through diffusion, you're getting the, so as uh, unoxygenated blood comes through the capillary, it gets oxygenated, 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 and the CO2 gets removed. And that's what you're seeing in this diagram here. What you're seeing here is this is blood flowing in, let's say from left to right, it's coming in. The, the, the alveoli, when it's working properly, fill this up with proper, you know, oxygen, and um, it'll remove the the CO2. Now, if there's lung injury, okay, um, that's taking place, what's happening in the sac? This alveolus starts filling up with, you know, quote unquote, water. It has edema. It starts filling up with fluid. Now, um, this leads to lung and at the, uh, endothelial epithelial injury. And, and what you're seeing here is the reaction is taking place, the macrophage, which is immune cells starting to put out these inflammatory cytokines, TNF-alpha, IL-6, IL-8. The main thing you need to remember is these three molecules are inflammatory cytokines. The macrophage is overreacting, okay? And this reaction results in fluid buildup, okay? And the unfortunate thing is when you're having this occur, what's happening? Your lung, this alveolus says, more less volume, which means it's under more pressure. And what is unfortunate is that under those conditions, instead of trying to get rid of that edema, which is what vitamin C can help do, right? Titrated vitamin C. Again, many, many papers written on this. Many of these people have been put on these ventilators. What are they doing? They increase more pressure. So you have a condition where you have very little, the, the, the volume has been reduced, and then you're sending more and more pressure in here. Remember, more pressure into smaller volume, you're gonna increase more uh, pressure into that subsystem. And guess what? You cause more injury. And this is why people have been reporting that people are actually drowning um, under the pressure from those ventilators, okay? The goal should be to remove this fluid, okay? So that's what's taking place here because of the overreaction of the immune system. So what I wanna now talk about is, so hopefully you understand we have a very complex immune system. We understand how the virus uh, replicates itself through these four systems. And that at the epithelial level with something like COVID or coronavirus, the overreaction occurs in the lungs. And then when that overreaction occurs, your lungs start filling up with fluid. So we wanna really, what we wanna do is to talk about how we could reduce that overreaction, how we could increase the immune system so that has a proper inflammatory response. So the first thing I wanna to talk to you about before I go into the zinc and the vitamin A is about building community. Today, what we're told is lock down restaurants, shut down the churches, don't hang out with people, stay away from people, wear masks, okay? Well, I wanna bring this science out, which has been known for probably about 40 years, starting in 1988, about the importance 
of having social relationships. And more importantly, the importance of this to immune health, boosting our immune system and lowering inflammation. Remember, when you have high inflammation in your body, that's not good for your health, which means your body's putting out a lot of these cytokines. And your body is ultimately an amazing pharmaceutical factory. Your nature has given us within our body a pharmacy. Our body can actually create a lot of amazing chemicals. There's a field called psychoneuroimmunology where they've done quite amazing research to show when you have good thoughts, happy thoughts, you laugh, you have a positive attitude, you have love in your life, you have relationships, your body will actually generate very powerful chemicals to support your immune system. And when you socially isolate yourself, you shut down that and your body creates inflammatory compounds. So what you're seeing here, let me go to this. So um, this is some wonderful work that was done back in 1988, okay? It was in science and it was about social relationships and health. And the paper was really um, a, a looking at the aggregation of a lot of work that was established showing the causal impact of the importance on social relationships on health. So I wanna review that with you. And it was a wonderful study because it really showed the mechanisms through which social relationships affect health and the factors that promote or inhibit the development and maintenance of social relationships. And it said that those need to be explored. So here's the summary of that paper. And everyone should um, hopefully uh, share this with your family so you can arm yourself with science not sort of the fear. And what you start realizing is that the lack of social connection, this was an amazing paper in science, which is one of the number one ranked peer reviewed journals in the world. So uh, those in science can't say this is just some fringe um, uh, science. This is you know you, what you would call your traditional mainstream science. And, and what it found was that the lack of social connection is more detrimental than obesity, smoking and high blood pressure. So just look at that for a second, what that's saying, that the lack of social connection is more detrimental than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. And remember, those three things are the things that are pre-existing conditions to destroying your immune system. This is saying that um, social connections, the lack of that are worse than even these. Not saying people should get obese, smoke, and high blood pressure, but the lack of social connection is extremely powerful. In fact, a, a layman's article of this was called Loneliness is a Molecule uh, that came, um, I'm sorry, another paper was written back in 2007, which was about going at the molecular level because that first paper in 88 really talked about what social isolation does. But this paper between 1988 to 2007, we've built a lot more scientific capabilities to actually understand stuff at the molecular systems level. So this uh, article was really about how loneliness is a molecule and that it, that it causes changes in the immune system, which makes ex ex uh, explain why there's, why people are lonely, socially isolated, have an increased risk of heart disease, increased risk of viral infections and an increased risk of cancer. And this was the work of Stephen Cole, Stephen W. Cole, and this was done in 2007. And the paper was published again in a, a, a very important journal called the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And the title is a very high tech bio, biology title. It says myeloid differentiation architect, architecture of leukocyte transcriptome dynamics in perceived social isolation. Bottom line, what this was talking about is that we genetically, we have a, a set of mechanisms, uh, molecular mechanisms in our body um, which they call conserved transcriptional response to adversity. Conserved transcriptional response. This means that the DNA level, what they call CTRA, is a way in how your body uses its genetic machinery to respond to adversary, adversity. And, and, it, and basically, your body has a set of mechanisms which will upregulate inflammatory gene expression and downregulate antiviral response. So let me re repeat that. So when you're under adverse conditions, this kind of stress, social isolation, your body will actually produce more inflammatory compounds and reduce its antiviral response. In other words, what they've established is that there's a direct link between loneliness, e.g. social isolation, 
and um, meaning that lonely people have more inflammation and a less responsive immune system. So just think about that. Lonely people, people as you isolate them, at the molecular systems level, this work showed that you're increasing inflammation in the body and you're reducing antiviral compounds. It's the exact opposite of what you want in a quote unquote pandemic, right? You wanna boost your immune system, you wanna reduce inflammation. You don't wanna create a dysfunctional immune system. And this is a wonderful piece of work which showed what happened at the molecular level, irrefutably that we understand the mechanisms of what's going on. And I, I really uh, hope Fauci had read this piece. And if he did, he should talk about it because it's a much different alternative to the thing of isolating people, isolating people. Because if the goal is to protect the immune system, you know, then we should talk about that versus just isolating people, which can lead to more compromises uh, of the immune system. So it's a very, very important um, article. So that's what I talk about, boosting immunity. So again, in summary, the lack of social connection is greater de detriment than obesity, smoking, high blood pressure. And more importantly, at the molecular systems level, we're gonna create more inflammation and less responsive immune system, which means less antiviral response. And the, the research also showed that people who are isolated or lonely uh, have a 50% increase chance. Uh, I'm sorry, the people who have, the flip side, people who have strong social connections, who you know go to church, have communities, have relationships, have 15% increased chance of longevity. We strengthen the immune system and the genes impacted by the loneliness code for immune function and inflammation, which means that there are genes that are directly related to loneliness. And also, you also recover from disease faster, okay? So that's the real takeaway. So when you build community, you actually boost immunity. And that is science. It's not, you know, reactive fear-mongering ideas. It's actually the science that's out there. And there's been many, many thousands of papers written on this. So number one, boost. In order to boost immunity, lower those inflammatory compounds, increase your own bodies appear, you know, connect with people. We have to really go back and challenge this thing of isolating people. And by the way, a lot of people, there's a whole talk I've done on this. People are isolated. They start going on antidepressants anti-anxiety medications, and that further suppresses the immune system. It's a triple whammy, okay? You're isolating people, you're not letting them interconnect, you're lowering the immune system by doing that, and then people take antidepressant, it hurts them even more, okay? So the next thing, so that's build community. The next thing I wanna talk about is vitamin D, okay? There are nearly 88,000 or 84, and I think it's 88,000 as of now, 88,000 papers written on the importance of vi vitamin D. And vitamin D is a very, very powerful compound. It's actually a hormone. It's not just a vitamin. It should really be called a hormone. But vitamin D, um, in uh, you know, there's been a thousand systematic reviews written about it. And the recent work that was done in 2017 by 24 institutions in 12 countries, they looked at 11,000 participants and they found that vitamin D supplement supplementation is safe, you know, it's protect, it, it, it will protect you against acute respiratory tract infection. So it happens in COVID, uh, really supports the survival in the ICU. And the greatest benefits of vitamin D are those people who are deficient in it. And there's many, many mechanisms by how vitamin uh, D works. But the one that I wanna focus on, it's what's called the, um, through the pathway of vitamin D creates what are called catholicidins. Simply put, you know, when you get sun, that's why, again, is the social isolation, keeping people out is sort of horrible. But when you get the sun, the UVB radiation hits your skin. Your body uh, creates these, this amazing compound called vitamin D3. And that compound, through a series of chemical reactions, creates a chemical called catholicidin antimicrobial proteins. Simply put, CAMPS, C-A-M-P-S. And these proteins literally are like missiles that blow up the wall of viruses. They blow up the war, wall of fungi and parasites and bacteria. This is why vitamin D is so powerful. It's an antimicrobial. It produces a compound which blows up the cell walls of these viruses. So, you know, isolating us away from the sun is not a good thing to do. So vitamin D3 is one of the most important nutrients, particularly if you live in the Northeast, 
that people should consider taking. And obviously, you should talk to your healthcare practitioner. Um, but you should really consider this because um, you can see lots of research done on this. So how does vitamin D3 work? Well, it produces these things, as I ca said, called catholicine antimicrobial particles. Okay. And the antimicrobial peptides, which are catholicine antimicrobial peptides, are evolutionarily conserved across species, which means they've been occurring for many millennia. And it's the oldest mechanism of actions towards microbial pathogens. This is why the sun is so important. It produces these. And it involves pathogen cell wall membrane disruption, which means it's blowing up the, the walls of the bacteria and viruses. Now, very simply put, this, this little edge here is a macrophage. It's one of your immune cells. And you can see that here vitamin D that's D3 enters that cell and through a series of reactions, your body produces right here through these series of reactions, it produces these things called CAMPs, catholicine antimicrobial protein. So the vitamin D is the input, the fuel to produce these CAMPs. Now, why are CAMPs important? Well, CAMPs are important because they are the things that when a virus comes to your immune cell, they're the things that you can see right here enable that here's a virus and in this case we're looking at the hiv virus that it enables a capture of that virus in what's called a, a phagosome and then when it's captured then in the lysosome the camps go in and they start eating away at that virus this is where the virus is getting destroyed okay through the use of these camps because that literally blows up the um the cell walls of the virus or the walls of the virus okay um and Again, this research just came out in 2019, about a year ago, and it looked at catholicines, which are those proteins, in three different animals. One, PMAPs, which is in pigs. Uh, LL37 is in uh, chickens. And the CATH2 are what are in our bodies, in humans. And what they found was almost all catholicines show in simple media direct antimicrobial activity against many bacteria, viruses, fungi and paras uh, parasites. Again, documented science. And here is sort of the molecular uh, picture, um, at least in a cartoon form, of the shape of these different catholicines. This one on the upper left here is in it, pigs, porcine. This is a one um, calf in, in, um, in, uh, in chicken. And this LL37 is what we have, okay? So you can see, as the um, amount of peptides increase, you have this antibacterial activity. It also affects, so you increase, 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 and bam, you reduce the amount of bacteria coming in. And so here's, for example, the human catholicidin. It hits the bacteria. What does it actually do? These little red up, down, half arrows represent the catholicidin surrounding the cell wall of the bacteria, that's the blue. And see what they do, they start eating away at the cell wall and they disrupt it and they release all the particles, the leakage of the intercellular contents. Um, and here's another example of the human catholicine, LL37. Again, it hits here and it disrupts the cell wall, busts up the bacterial cell. I wanna show you here, this is actually looking at through a microscope. There's four columns here. Let's look at the first column here. Uh, and I'm just gonna look at the LL37. This is looking at control where you have the bacteria here. We're looking at at, uh, at the bacteria of, of tuberculosis, okay? And you can see even in the, in, the, uh, in the pigs, you can see there's leakage occurring here. Same in the, cath in, in the, in the uh, when you're using the catholicines from the chicken and here's LL37 in humans. And I'll, let me show you a little more closer. So here is the nice clean bacteria with the cell wall preserved. And look what's happening here the cell walls being eaten up and same here you can see it here so it's quite amazing that these catholicines are literally like bullets destroying the cell walls this is why vitamin d is important again it's not just a vitamin it's a hormone but it produces it's anti, it has antimicrobial activities so what that's doing is when the virus is floating around one part it basically goes and shoots the thieves okay so they don't even enter your body okay or if they do enter it it has capabilities to blow them up but fundamentally it goes and shoots it pokes holes in the cell walls okay very very important vitamin d3 
Um, the second thing I want to talk about is vitamin C. Okay, so let's move on. A so if vitamin D3 is blowing up the viruses, so if they're starting to replicate, this is why vitamin D3 is so important. I've had so many calls from people um, who are headed into the ICU. Um, one of the re I'll talk about dosages in tomorrow's lecture, but I recommended a dosage. And again, people should talk to their doctors. Again, this is in the literature, a very high dose. Uh, this guy was headed into the ICU, said, Shiva, I showed what you were recommended to the doctors. And the doctor said, well, that sounds like a pretty good thing you should do. And this guy's complete health completely reversed in 48 hours when he went to that high dosage of vitamin D3 because it literally is like you're taking an antimicrobial, okay? Let's go on to vitamin D C. Now, vitamin C is like shock absorbers, okay? Remember, your immune system starts overreacting and it starts attacking itself. Vitamin C has many properties. It's um, also has, um, you know, has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. It also disrupts viral replication. But one of the most important thing is like you're putting shock absorbers on your system. And if you know someone heading into the ICU, God forbid, you have to tell their doctors to put at a high dose vitamin C, pharmaceutical levels, which means about 50 grams to 100 grams. Again, you know, you should fight with the doctor so they listen to you. And again, this is proven in a lot of literature because what it does is it modulates the immune system. And I'll explain how it does that. So if you look at this ball and stick diagram and explain it, when your body's undergoing this cytokine response, there's a chemical right here called GAPDH. GAPDH is produced. That's a thing that's produced in high amounts. It's, this is when your body's overexpressing this. What vitamin C does, it actually blocks the development of GAPDH. And how does it do it? So here's vitamin C. It goes through a set of chemical processes here, and it actually produces what's called reactive oxygen species, ROS. And this ROS goes through a series of pathways to knock down, suppress, as you can see right here, this, this hammer means ROS knocks down GAPDH. So the loss of GAPDH leads to the suppression of um, activated immune cells that are responsible for creating the cytokine storm. So simply put, vitamin C creates a chemical, and that chemical is used to go suppress GAPDH, which is a culprit, which is creating the cytokine storm. That's why vitamin C is really, really important to modulate your immune system, okay? The second thing uh, vitamin C does, it's also a potent antioxidant. Remember, when your body's undergoing all this attack, your body produces a lot of oxidizing uh, chemicals, right? And what vitamin C does, it eats up all those, it's an antioxidant, eats up all of those free radicals. The other thing vitamin C does, it also inhibits over here a chemical called NF-kappa-beta, and that's a major nuclear transcription factor, and that's also involved in pro-inflammatory cytokines. So um, vitamin D really supports your immune system by modulating, you know, supporting antioxidant activity and also modulating the cytokine storm. And, and again, vitamin C has many, many different actions. It increases your cellular immunity, white blood cells, neutrophils, et cetera. It increases your humoral activity, which is the innate immune system, the B cells and the antibodies. And look at this, it also increases the antiviral proteins in the interferon system, if you remember. It also increases energy production. So you, you get boost in energy uh, through the mitochondria and it limits the main source of fuel, which is uh, uh, sugar, right? Which supports the pathogens and it maintains the structural integrity of your cells because it, it supports a, uh, uh, collagen. Now I can't overemphasize this enough. If you have someone who's critically ill, you have to, you have to really, you know, talk to the doctor and say for the critically ill, again, so many papers are written in the ICU papers. Again, there's a whole video you could find um, when you sign on to the site. It's absolutely, uh, you can get access to it, um, of the effects that it has for the critically ill, right? And it has little to no side effects. Uh, worst case, you get some diarrhea and you can modulate it, okay? Again, people should talk to their healthcare practitioner. The next uh, thing I wanna talk about is zinc, okay? Um, zinc. So zinc is extremely powerful because what they found is, remember, the virus enters your body. It then um, 
once it gets and starts replicating its RNA, well, guess what? Zinc is an inhibitor of that RNA replication. It shuts down the Xerox machine, okay? And this is a wonderful paper that came out in PLOS, PLOS Pathogens. And the title, as you can see, it says, Zinc 2 inhibits coronavirus and arterovirus RNA polymerase activity in vitro and zinc ionophores block the replication of these viruses in cell culture. And I'll come back to what ionophores are, okay? But basically, um, zinc ionophores are literally the gates that allow zinc to get into your cells. Quercetin, as we're going to see shortly, like hydroxychloroquine, which is a nutrient support, is an ionophore, so it allows more zinc to get in, okay? So zinc is very powerful for shutting down the, the Xerox machine, okay? Shutting down um, the viral uh, replication, all right, the replication process. That's why zinc is extremely powerful. The other thing is iodine. Iodine, um, if you notice in the diagram that I, I had a, a brand, and you guys can go look at it, but this is a old brand that's been around for a while called Lugol's. Lugol's has iodine and iodide, potassium iodide. You need both. Now, why are these important? Well, your thyroid, which is over here in your body, if you eat the proper green vegetables and the purple fruits, the carotenoids, your body takes those carotenoids and it converts it into vitamin A, which protects your cell walls, among other things. But if your thyroid is not functioning well, your body won't make that. Well, one of the important minerals for your thyroid is iodine and iodide. A lot of people in the United States, and for that matter in the world, have low levels of iodine and iodide. You need both. So the iodine and the iodine, as you're seeing here, is extremely valuable because um, uh, it supports thyroglobulin and modulating the function of human immune cells, okay? So iodine and iodine are extremely important to uh, in the artillery to support the immune system, okay? The next thing I want to talk about is vitamin A. So remember, vitamin A, as, as you age, and this is why elderly people are have to be concerned is as you age, your thyroid level goes down, the function goes down. And the reason that's concerning is your body produces less vitamin A. Okay. Because remember, vitamin A comes from the stuff that you eat, the carotenoids, and it converts it. And the vitamin A is extremely important um, to support the integrity of your cell walls. And so you, if, if the thyroid level goes down, goes down, you're going to get less cytokeratin, you're going to get scarring of the epithelial tissue, you're going to get reduced innate immune function, reduced macrophage activity, or reduced adaptive immune function activity. So vitamin A is extremely important. And um, so you can take supplemental vitamin A to support that in addition to the iodine. And by the way, there's many things you can take. I'm giving you sort of the main building blocks here. The next thing that we want to consider is quercetin. And I I added this because there was so much talk about hydroxychloroquine. And what I wanted to let you know is the reason hydroxychloroquine is valuable, it stops the glycosylation, but more importantly, it stops the viral replication. And it must be taken with zinc. And the reason is um, hydroxychloroquine is an ionophore. And that's what quercetin is. And so I just want to give you a little bit of education on a quercetin. You can buy this in the health food stores, but it's a bioflavonoid found in more than 20 fruits and vegetables. And here's a chemical structure of it. You see right here, it's got a lot of OH groups. And the highest level is found in apples and onions. You know, apple a day, onions are very good. Um, has potential benefits to overall health, but quercetin uh, is, is generally recognized as safe at status, and it has no known side effects. But you can see it has many, many powerful effects which support the immune system, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-carcinogenic, anti-mutagenic, which means it stops, you know, the mutagenesis process, anti-proliferative, cardioprotective, supports the liver, neuroprotectives, anti-obesity, very powerful supplement. It's in my regimen of supplements I take, but it supports skin health, brain health, joint health, liver health, cardiovascular health, immune health, reproductive health, and metabolism. But the bottom line is, you know, this is why many cultures, oops, let me go over here. People said, hey, apple a day, and many cultures always included onions, you know, in their, in their thing. But relative to our discussion, quercetin is an ionophore for zinc. And ionophore means it increases the transport into the cell across 
the cell membrane. And in fact, quercetin acts as an ionophore for zinc. So the ionophore here opens up in the presence of quercetin, and this is your cell walls, and zinc is able to go through. So taking quercetin in combination with zinc, quercetin increases zinc cellular uptake and increases the antiviral activity of zinc. As we know, it stops the replication. And the examples of other ionophores of zinc are chloroquine, you know, like hydroxychloroquine, EGCG from green tea, resveratrol, um, ivermectin, which is antiparasitic, okay? So this is why these things you may have heard of, but green tea is a very powerful ionophore too. So I'm gonna end there, um, but in summary, what you've learned is that you have some tools right now. Build community, because we know when you have friendships, when you're not socially isolated, your body increases antiviral compounds, lowers inflammation. Number one, when it comes, so that's number one. On the, what you can take, vitamin D3, very powerful, okay? It creates antimicrobials. Number two, we talked about vitamin C. It's the shock absorbers of the system. Also supports antioxidant activity. Number three, we talked about the value of zinc. Zinc stops viral replication. And zinc and quercetin do that in a much, much more efficient manner. And then you have the value of iodine and iodide, and because that supports your thyroid function. So if you're eating your green vegetables and fruits, particularly as you age, it supports thyroid function so your body makes vitamin A. And then if you're not getting enough of vitamin A and you're not eating your green leafy uh, 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 foods and the purple and all the colorful foods, you can take vitamin A, particularly vitamin A palmitate. Tomorrow, I will talk about all of this, but the dosages you should take, okay? So I just want you to let this sink in and tomorrow we will do that. Again, I wanna encourage all of you to recognize that we need to take a systems approach because when you take a systems approach as we've done here, we understand the system of viral replication and we see we can take a cocktail, vitamin D3, vitamin A, zinc, vitamin C, you know, iodine and the quercetin. And you can add other things, but these are building blocks that really will support you. And tomorrow I will talk about what happens for maintenance dosage, what should you take? And what about if you have someone in a critical condition and what should you take there? And you're gonna get armed with helping yourself and your loved ones in, ter in terms of understanding, now that you understand the science, understanding in a very practical way we can do. So we'll do that tomorrow at 8.39 um, in the evening, again, Eastern Standard Time. In the meantime, I wanna encourage all of you to join the movement for truth, freedom, and health. And it's very easy. Um, sign on to, um, let me share this right here, go to vashiva.com and uh, up on the top here, there's a button called join. If you click it right here, it gives you, there's a little video here called weaponizing yourself and then you can join. And also, I am also in the middle every, uh, during the week, we are also training people to become global leaders for truth, freedom and health. That requires a commitment. We also offer scholarship. Um, we try to cover most of it, but it's really a way that all of you can become leaders in the movement for truth, freedom, and health. And we're building a global movement. And vashiva.com is going to become a community where if you get accepted into that program, uh, into that leadership program, you get access to a whole bunch of resources, more tools, more research to become a leader in your local community. Anyway, thank you, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Adre. I hope this has been helpful. Let me just Take a quick thing, see if there's any questions people have. Uh, great. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share this with you. Someone said, uh, thank you so much for the presentation. You're welcome. Uh, let's see. I take, uh, someone said they take a vitality pack. Papaya seeds, yep. Uh, good, very good anti-parasites. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Thank you for the great info. Great. Yeah, again, as Crystal Ellis said, please go to vashiva.com slash join. Crystal's actually in our leadership program right now. She's going through training. Um, she's gone through the courses. She's, um, we also have a whole portal, um, but we're, uh, we offer a whole range of solutions that also that you can also share with your community. Um, yes, and uh, it is revolutionary. And I uh, recommend everyone that you go talk to your doctors about this. Go talk to your healthcare practitioners. You can actually educate your doctors. The problem is most doctors, unfortunately, they're 
medical school education is very reductionist. It's about really a crisis management model. Many of these unfortunate doctors, you can't blame them. They may have gone into medicine for the right reason, but they didn't really get a course on the immune system. So they can't even properly serve you from the nutrient perspective, but you can actually uh, help them, okay? Um, it's in some ways, um, you can be a teacher to your own doctors, and I'm sure they'll value it if they really wanna help you. Um, all right. I think we're good, okay? Well, what about mushrooms? I will do a whole, um, you're gonna see, I, I'll do a presentation on mushrooms. We've done some great work on looking at the various types of mushrooms. For example, the uh, maitake mushrooms, as well as the, um, the uh, what's it start? Uh, there's a whole bunch of mushrooms that, that I'll come up with. But maitake we've looked at, which is very powerful. Uh, shiitake mushrooms, that's the other one, don't have as much powerful uh, from our research as the maitake mushrooms. I'll share that if people are interested. All right, everyone, I wanna thank everyone. Again, go check out vashiva.com. You know, just join it to get access to the videos. Remember when I did the vitamin D3 video back in March, I think we got about 20, 30 million views and then YouTube took it down, but we're gonna start building our own community underground uh, so they can't affect us. So that'll be coming on vashiva.com. Keep an eye out for it but we're building a global movement to educate truth, freedom, health leaders. It requires a commitment. It requires some discipline. It'll require you uh, to actually take control of your health, but also commit to some serious education. Anyway, thank you, everyone. Have a good night. I hope this was valuable. Be well, be the light. Thank you.